0: to the Roman church, uses the word saint. And he talks about it as the people who are alive and currently at work. And they were truly saint-like in their struggle, in that, at that time, Christians all over the known world, known to them, were struggling with their identity and their future. And in some cases, they were struggling just to survive. For instance, by the writing of this letter, they had already been kicked out of the temple. Try being a Christian in the holy city of Judaism and being told that you can't be there. They were also being kicked out of the synagogues, not just across the Promised Land, but across the Roman Empire. They were being told that they had diverged so much in their belief in Jesus Christ that they could no longer be called Jews. And that those Gentiles, those non-Jews that had chosen to believe and felt the impetus to follow in the path of Jesus Christ, they were looking for their place as well. We're not Jews who believe in Jesus, but we believe in Jesus. Who are we and where do we belong? What connected all of them was Christ. And what enabled them to continue on at a time of unprecedented struggle and dissonance is that they believed that Christ would help them. They believed that Christ was with them, even though they could no longer see him. They believed in his promise that wherever two or more were gathered, there he was as well. And in all of the places where Christians found themselves, they chose to believe that they were manifesting our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that hope alone allowed them to persevere, and more than perseverance, to triumph and thrive. And as proof of that, we are here. Christianity has been carried down through the ages. And we might attribute that to all kinds of socio-political mechanisms. We might look back over time and think, oh, yes, we can see how different methods and methodologies were employed to make that possible. But for those of us who call ourselves Christians here and now, we know that we are really Christians because of relationship. We know that there were, was someone or someones who dared to speak the truth of Christ to us, to love us and to invite us, to receive us and to help us stay. And those relationships are what truly built the kingdom of Christianity. Those are the things that enabled people over the course of so many years now to find not only their place in the church, but to recognize that they have a place in God's heart. And the four saints that we have already named, they are no less vital to that. All of them are different, and yet they had the same heart of Jesus Christ. Each and every one of them was an invaluable member of our family of faith here at Crozet United Methodist Church. And I was privileged to know each and every one of them, no matter how brief that may have been. And their legacy is still here. Their spirit remains in our family of faith. Because they lived, we also get to live a new life. And Benton was gone too soon. But yet, in his 20 years, he drastically changed how people in this family of faith think about mission work. He changed how we think about blessing other people. There was a picture that sat upon the altar the night that we celebrated the life of Benton Turner, in addition to this one when he graduated from high school. But there was a picture of Benton in casual clothes And he had on his shoulders a young Belizean boy. And Benton's wearing sunglasses, and his smile is just illuminating the picture. And as that boy sits on his shoulders, a connection is being made. Benton was there with our youth group. He was there to engage in some mission work in a foreign country with a foreign people, and to bring the light of Christ as only someone from Crozet can to a new place. And he did. And not only was he a part of that original youth group that brought us together with our Belizean student, Dominga, but his willingness to engage in that level of mission work continues to inspire not just his family and his friends, but this family to focus on using what we have to bless other people. That is precisely what the Apostle Paul was talking about in his letter, that you had little pockets of Christians who were more financially able to help other people, and so they gave. And he took all of their their financial gifts, all of their gifts, and he took them to Jerusalem where those Christians that were under siege, those remaining 11 original apostles, were trying to just survive and took those gifts there that others might be blessed. And Benton reminds us of that. His life still inspires people to give and to bless other people. He connected with children of another country who don't have the blessings that he enjoyed, going to high school and graduating. And he was part of those original youth that heard about Dominga and would not let her cries for school and education go unheard. They responded with immediate compassion and kindness, committing to not only sending her to high school, but allowing her to complete her degree. And she did. And Benton will forever be a part of Dominga's story. He will forever be a part of the story of those in Belize who met that youth group and in the willingness to be vulnerable and share their story found out that there are a people that they may never meet in person but who are willing to respond in kindness because we have the heart of Jesus Christ. And so Benton lives on in the way that we commit to mission and ministry. And then you have Didi who used to sit right about here every Sunday. And Dee was a quiet person, unless you made her unhappy, <laughs> and then she had plenty to say, but she said it in love. She held us accountable because she loved us, and she loved this church. And she was a person that had seen so much over the course of her life. She had married a man who then decided as a second career that he would become clergy, and God love anybody who wants to be married to clergy. That's not easy, but she did it. And she remained committed to this congregation because this was her family of faith. And she was here more than most people are, sitting in that pew, listening and connecting and caring, not just with her family, and she literally had family here, but with those that became her family through faith. And that kind of connection inspires me today. She made me a better pastor. She made me a better person. And any time we choose to connect on a level that includes saying to someone, I love you and I see so much that you can do, why are you not doing it? We honor her. We embody her because she believed that this church could really do all things because we are grounded in Jesus Christ. And I don't even know what I could say to you about JR that hasn't already been said. But if you came to this church before the pandemic, chances are that you met JR long before you met me. He wasn't just in the narthex, he usually met you somewhere between the parking lot. And if it was raining, he was there with an umbrella. Because J.R. believed in hospitality, it was in his DNA. And he believed that the ministry of hospitality meant not just helping people into the building, not just keeping them from being totally saturated in their Sunday best. He believed that hospitality meant getting to know you. And if you knew Jr., you were known by Jr. He knew who you were. He wanted to know your story. He wanted to know your background. He was later going to use it to encourage you to step up into action in the church, but he wanted to know who you were, and he valued you for you. That kind of willingness to reach out into the world is not normative, even in the church. And he set a standard by which every single usher and greeter in this church strives to rise to. Because it didn't matter who you were, to him, you were an honored guest. And in this world, too often we don't feel like honored guests. We don't feel like we are instantly wanted and appreciated. And J.R. had a gift. But he also had a standard by which he believed that he lived his faith. He was here as much if not more than I was in this building and around this building. He believed in upholding the building. He believed in taking care of the building and the grounds because that's part of hospitality. He also believed that when people needed help, you stepped up, you jumped in, and you helped. There were so many times that somebody needed a ride and JR was there. And he didn't just chauffeur you. He bonded with you the whole way and he made sure that you were safe and that you were cared for. And then he brought you home, and he was ready to do it again. And countless times, that level of service changed lives. He's still changing lives, because those of us that were impacted by him feel the need to embody him. We feel that that is what we owe, if nothing else, to his name and his legacy. He has forever changed the way this church feels about welcoming the stranger. And all of us who are here that were blessed to know him now wear that mantle that we will do the same. And Betty Jane Kent is now my spiritual animal. I adore that woman. She and I bonded instantly. She has a passion for things that sparkle and accessories. And one day, I'm going to grow up to be Betty Jane Kent. She loves people. Her entire life was looking at somebody as a new friend. If you sat down beside Betty Jane, you could be her new friend. And she would talk to you and get to know you and smile at you. And since she's gone, this room has gotten a little darker. But every time those of us that knew and loved her smile, that light comes back. She still shines in us. She still shines. They are those that were here that have impacted us. And all over the world, there are those that love them as siblings and children, in some cases, grandparents, and that light still shines. And in this world, we often worry about our legacy. I think of how many people pour in countless dollars to name buildings or roads after themselves so that people will remember them. But in the church, we don't have to do that. God knows our saints. God knows them. God loves them. God has forgiven them. And God is holding them in trust. They now rest in perfect love. And when the time is right and Christ returns, they will be restored to us, as will our loved ones, for whom we have not lit a candle here today, but for whom there is a light that burns in us all of our days. And if we've ever lost someone, we know. We know that pain and that sorrow. And we have asked God, why? Why did they go? Why are they gone? And whether or not we get an answer, God says, they are not lost forever. You will see them again. And when you see them, they will no longer suffer from their body, their mind, or an aching spirit. Because when we see them again, sickness, sin, sorrow, and death will be eradicated. And there will be nothing that will get between an eternity of fellowship and joy. And All Saints Sunday gives us that moment to remember. In some ways, this is a sad, sad Sunday. It's a day that we look and see faces that we long to see because they have made an imprint on our hearts. And in the silence of the moment, when we truly go inward, what we find is the whisper of the Holy Spirit saying, they are not gone. They are not gone. But in the moment when we choose to embody them, what we hear then is the Holy Spirit roaring, there he is, there is is Jr. There is Benton, there is Betty Jane, there is Dee Dee. And our duty is to remember what they gave to us, how they changed who we are for the better, to take the very best of their essences and allow that to become not just part of our memories, but part of how we act and speak and choose to be in this world. When we do that, the saints are alive and well. And all of them were precious. All of them are precious to us. And long after we are gone, we don't have to worry about whether someone will remember their name. God remembers everything about them. All of their thoughts, their hopes, their dreams, their triumphs, their tribulations. All of that is held perfect in a vault that never fails. And that is what will be restored to us. That is what we will have back when Christ comes again. And on those days when we just wish to hasten that arrival, when we wish that it would come sooner, perhaps it is God pushing back to say, you still have a labor of love and a legacy to embody. Your days should be filled with honoring what they gave to you so that others may experience the blessing of them. That when we smile and embrace new people, when they come into the kingdom on that fateful day and they meet JR and they meet Betty Jane, they'll say, ah, that's the smile I've been seeing. And when they have the opportunity to sit down at the table with Didi, they will remember what it is to be stalwart and present and committed. They will have the experience of the one who has inspired us not to find an excuse to walk away from our faith, but the one who said that any excuse that you might name is the reason that you come. And for all of those who are impacted and their lives are touched and transformed by the work of the church, those mission works that are selfless, in the kingdom to come, they will finally meet Benton. And they will see why his example was so impactful. And all of us, all of us are living legacies. Even if you didn't know them personally, if you are a part of this family of faith, you are the embodiment of that same love, that same grace, that blessed faith. May we spend each day giving thanks to God for our saints that have gone on to glory. And may we find ways each and every day to honor those precious lives with how we speak to others, how we act, what we do, and who we choose to be. For there is no greater legacy than that. And all of that done with the heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who even now connects us to our beloved saints. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.